lifelong sloucher and I still slouch all the time so I have to be mindful not to do that but what she was really telling me was to fix my posture as you and I know posture is important especially for my marines and for those of you that are athletic when you run you gotta have good posture because it helps you to breathe it opens up your lungs when you lift weights you gotta lift with good form right if you have bad posture when you lift weights you're gonna get injured so having good posture will prevent injuries for all of us. And I want us to be intentional about fixing our posture this morning because just as physical posture is important, we also need to be mindful of the posture of our hearts. During this season of Advent, I want to remind us, I want to remind myself to check my posture and the condition of our hearts in the busyness of our schedules let us be too busy not to be grateful in the busyness of your schedule choose to adopt a posture of gratitude adopt an attitude of gratitude give thanks in the season of Advent and waiting and anticipation because Christ has blessed us beyond our imagination can contain. So to help us put some flesh into that, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 or you could look up here if you want to look on the screen. Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. Let us read the word of God. Would you listen in as I read? On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Would you bow your heads and let us pray. Before I pray for you, would you pray for your own hearts? I don't know how your week has been like. I don't know the condition of your heart this morning. But, but God does and you know. Would you take your heart to the Lord? Where is your heart this season? Where is your heart this morning? Let us pray. Go to the Lord. Spend about 30 seconds praying for your own hearts and, and I'll close us. Let's pray. 
Jesus, would you help us to be reminded of this timely truth? To be grateful, even through the midst of difficulty, to be thankful for you and what you've done for us. God, help us to examine the posture of our hearts this morning. Help us to come humbly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are three truths that I want us to take from our passage this morning. Number one, we are all lepers apart from Christ. We are all lepers apart from Christ. Number two, only God can heal and save. And number three, a proper response of gratitude. So number one, we are all lepers apart from Christ. In this passage, Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem And he's somewhere between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. And he enters a village and he's met by ten lepers who from a distance shout, they yell, they raise their voice. And they say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. William Barclay describes leprosy like this. It might begin because of bacteria that causes little nodules which go on to ulcerate. The ulcers develop a foul discharge. The eyebrows fall out. The eyes become staring. The vocal cords become ulcerated. And the voice becomes hoarse. And the breath wheezes. The hands and feet always ulcerate. Slowly the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growth. The leper might begin to lose all sensation in some part of his body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until in the end, a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a terrible progressive death in which a man dies by inches. One such story tells of a person with leprosy who would walk for miles and miles on a broken foot because he no longer felt pain. The result was amputation or serious infection leading to loss of life. Another story I've read... uh, tells of rats gnawing off a person's nose or an ear while they would sleep because they lost all the nerve endings to feel that pain. If you want to read a great book on leprosy, Paul Brand has a good book uh, called The Gift of Pain. God has designed our bodies to feel pain, and although we don't want to feel pain, it is like an alarm system to our bodies to tell us that something is wrong. And so can you imagine if that alarm system is malfunctioning, and you don't know if your body is in pain? So that's leprosy. Often those that are infected would be put into colonies or live in solitude for the rest of their lives. So these lepers, ten lepers, hear that Jesus is in their area, So they muster up the courage to go and find him. And at some point, at some point they must have heard that this Jesus can heal. That he can resurrect the dead. That he can heal those with leprosy. 
So with their tattered, worn out clothing rotting off of them, they choose to go find Jesus that morning. These are desperate people at the end of their rope. Have you been there? Have you been at the end of yourself and realized that if not for Christ, you would not live another day? Have you been there? Have you come to the end of all that this world has to offer us and realize that they can't fill you the way that you thought they would? We're all spiritual lepers apart from Christ. And so when these men, they see him, they yell, they shout. And they do that because they're familiar with the Jewish law that if a person infected with leprosy, they could not come within certain distance from the non-infected. Often they would cry out, unclean, unclean, to warn others not to come any closer. Talk about the ultimate quarantine. This is the ultimate social distancing. I can't imagine the heartache of living life apart from loved ones to keep them from infection. We know a little bit of what that's like, but nowhere to the degree that these lepers experienced every single day. I can't imagine the loneliness and feeling of hopelessness that they must have felt because of this terrible disease. So again, in their desperation, in their time of great need, they raise their voices and a great Savior answers back. Leprosy in Scripture is a dreaded disease that is a picture of sin. And those who were infected with leprosy were often perceived to be cursed by God. It was thought that the infected person had done something so heinous, so sinful that God was punishing them. Numbers chapter 12 verse 10 says, As the cloud lifted from above the tent, suddenly Miriam became leprous, white as snow. Aaron turned toward her, saw that she was leprous. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Miriam and Aaron had rebelled against Moses and she became leprous as a result of her gossip and disobedience. So when the people saw a leper, they would associate that person as a walking parable of sin. Of course, in reality, the leper was not any more sinful than anyone else. However, the illustration remained. Leprosy is to the body what sin is to our souls. Just like how the bacteria eats away at the leper inch by inch, sin runs from the bottom of our feet to the tips of our fingertips to the top of our heads. It penetrates even further to the innermost of our being, and we are all born with this sinful nature. We are all totally depraved in our hearts. Leprosy disconnected the infected from being able to enter a place of worship, to take place in society, and worse yet, to be with family. And in many ways, sin often cuts us away from fellowship with our brothers and sisters. It brings pain and brokenness to our families. It drives us away from God and others. And sin ultimately brings death. 
It brings decay to our souls. It brings death to relationships. It brings death to trust. It brings death to all. It has infected all of us. And apart from Christ, we're hopeless. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 reminds us that there's no one righteous, not even one. There's not one of us who has a leg up on the other person. We are all equal in our need of Christ's mercy this morning. No matter if you're a pastor, if you've been a Christian your whole life, none of that matters. Your pedigree, your, your history does not matter. This morning, if you, if you are haunted by your past and your mistakes, you're in need of Christ just as the person who's been faithful in attending church for years on end. We, we are the same at the foot of the cross. No matter who we are, we need Jesus in the exact same way. No matter how impressive you are this morning, may I remind you that all your efforts are like rags. We are the ten lepers. This really is a story. It's a picture of us. That's bad news. But it takes us understanding the bad news to understand the good news. And the good news is that there is hope. Because Jesus is the great healer. Which brings me to my second point. Only God can heal and save. This is not the first time Jesus has encountered lepers. Luke chapter 5 verse 12 through 13 says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came to him who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. In that story, we see Jesus touch a man full of leprosy. That detail is important because it tells us that this man was in the latter stages of his disease. The disease had run its course through his body. So you can only imagine what he may have looked like at the tail end of this terrible disease. Perhaps it had been 10, 20, 30 years since anyone has touched this man. And what does Jesus do? He stretches out his hand and touches this leper. I wonder how this man longed for a human touch. I was a hospital chaplain for five years before joining the Navy. And whenever I visited my elderly patients, I would hold their hand. Because they would say, Chaplain Sam, the the older I got, the less people touched me. And whenever people would touch me, it would be to check for vitals or examination. And so it hurt when others touched them. And they were just hungry for a human touch, a warm human touch. How important it is for us to see the importance of touching another person. And Jesus stretched out his hand. Did he need, did he need to touch this man? No. But he touched this man and he healed this man and made him clean. This is a picture of the incarnation and the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, for, the, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the children of God. 
But in chapter 17, the ten lepers do not come close. Rather, they yell from a distance. And what is his response? Jesus tells the ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priests. According to Leviticus chapter 14, the priests were given authority to examine a person with skin disease to confirm that this person had recovered and had been made well. And this, so this is a very interesting command that Jesus is telling them to do because this command would only apply to those that were cured, only those that needed to be examined, to be given a credential credential of cleanliness. And I wonder if the ten lepers were confused. Like, what? Okay, well, we've come this far, so why not? And so they obey. And as they are on their way, they are healed. From ulcerated stubs grow back limbs and fingers and toes. Barnacle skin becomes soft. Eyesights are restored They can go back to their families again. They can go to temple again. They can live again. And so they hurry on their way to the priest to be examined. The law in Leviticus chapter 4 gave instruction for the priest to confirm whether the person was healed or had recovered from the illness. But that is all they could do. So there was a limit to what these priests could do. But this passage wants us to see very clearly. It wants us to know that Jesus can do something that the priest cannot do. Jesus can heal with a touch. And he can heal with a word. And who can heal but God alone? Our text is showing us that Jesus is the true healer because he is God. He is the one that can restore. He is the one that brings death. Uh, brings dead people to life. He is the one who brings us purpose. But there is far more than just physical healing that Jesus offers. Jesus can restore more than just physical relationships. Read verses 15 to 19 with me. Uh, Would you listen as I read this? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, And he fell on his feet at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. When the ten were healed, Only one man was gripped with an irresistible urge to go back to Jesus so much that he put off going to the priest to be examined. So he turns around and he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. Earlier he had raised his voice for mercy and now he is raising his voice in praise. You see, the ten lepers were healed physically But this man would receive so much more. This brings me to my third point. A proper response of gratitude. Do you see the posture of gratitude in this man? Do you see his attitude of humility? The other nine went their way receiving only physical healing. But this man was about to receive something so much more. All who receive physical healing will 
get sick again and die someday. But this man came back and fell at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of this healer to receive something better. Other, the, the nine, it seemed that they only wanted Jesus for the healing. Their calling out to Jesus was superficial. They didn't want Jesus. They only wanted what he could give them. But this man sees his blessing, and so he prostrates himself at the feet of Jesus. The passage says that he fell on his face, giving thanks. He falls on his face, giving thanks. And this is the kind of posture that I want us to be reminded of this morning. This is the attitude that I believe this passage is calling us to adopt. And I know that sometimes it is difficult to adopt this posture, especially when it has not been an easy year for any of us. Some of you won't get to see your loved ones this holiday season because they're deployed. Some of you may have lost loved ones this year, and the heartache of not having them near is incredibly painful. I don't want to dismiss those of you that live in chronic pain every single day. But in such times, when I find it difficult to praise God, that is when we need to adopt this posture of gratitude. If we claim to have faith, if our faith is genuine, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, then even during the midst of the storm, there's always something to be thankful for. Back in our passage, Jesus asks, where is everyone? Where are the nine? The other nine were so caught up in their healing that they didn't think to come back and thank the healer. And to a point, this is understandable because they were so eager to go back to their lives to be with their families. I can understand that. But it also reveals to us that their eyes were set on earthly things. That they could not see beyond their newfound healing. But that would prevent them from receiving a better and deeper healing. That would only be given to this Samaritan. Now we must understand that Jews and Samaritans did not associate with one another in this day and age. And it was the illness that brought them together to be a part of this group of ten. And Jesus' question shows that in this group, there were at least one Jewish person, but most likely more. But definitely at least one. That is why the story has us pay attention to the fact that this man was a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. So what is the point? The point is this. The people of God should know better. These nine lepers, not, they only wanted Jesus for what he could give them, but they did not have the faith to be led to true gratitude. But the Samaritan truly believed and not only received physical healing, but healing of salvation. Verse 19 says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The Greek in the, the last part of this verse is, Your faith has saved you. That's what it literally means. Or the King James Version says, your faith has made you whole. This man was healed from physical leprosy, but he was also healed from a spiritual leprosy. He received forgiveness, he received reconciliation to a holy God, and he received eternal life. Jesus is he's teaching us that, there's, that where there is true faith, 
there is a posture of gratitude. This wonderful story shows us a man with faith that led to his posture of gratitude. He came and fell at the feet of Jesus in worship, but the posture took place in his heart first. He was overwhelmed with gratitude. This Advent season demands, it demands that we take time to reflect upon the blessings in our lives. So where do we start? With humility. It starts with our hearts, doesn't it? So right now, as you're looking at me, would you pray in your hearts? God, help me to come before you humbly. And thank you for the gift of my salvation. Without Jesus, we are all deserving of condemnation. We are all deserving of hell. We are fully deserving of our punishment. But Jesus is our true substitute. He took our sin upon himself so that you and I might have a perfect relationship with a perfect God. You see, Jesus has made a way for us to be with the Father. That grace, that love in and of itself. If I were to get nothing else in this life, that is something to be grateful for. That is something to be thankful for. If I get nothing, God, thank you that I get to be with you. So let us start there. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to grow in our hearts a posture of gratitude. Sometimes when I know that my heart is lacking affection for God, and it has lately, I pray, God, increase my affection for you. Holy Spirit, would you make that happen in my heart? Because I can't make it happen on my own. Holy Spirit, you got to do it for me. Increase it for me. Of course, I do my part and delve into the word and come and have fellowship with other believers and, and worship. But Holy Spirit, would, would, you, would you make that happen? This week, would you be prayerful? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Think back upon your life before coming to Christ. Where would you be today if God had not met you where you were, stretched out his hand, and touched you? Where would you be if God had not pulled you out from that life of despair to a new life in his presence? I know that personally for me, I'd be living a life of selfishness, running after temporary things. I would be lost and living without a purpose. But in Christ, I've been made whole. In Christ, my sin no longer has mastery over me. In Christ, I am new. In Christ, my sins have been forgiven for that I'm eternally grateful. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for all your blessings in our lives. It may not always be apparent, but your fingerprints is really all over our lives. And the evidence of your blessings cannot be overlooked this morning. For all the blessings you've given to us, the greatest of all is your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for our sins, for dying the death that we all deserve and making a way for us to come to the Father. During this season of Advent, Lord, help us to begin there and move our hearts to be thankful for all the other blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.